Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. Hey, it's so good to be here and uh, good morning to every single one of you. We have a very good looking church. I love it. I love Oasis Church. Hey, to you online, welcome. Uh, hopefully one day we'll see you in the house. Uh, it would be great to meet with you as well, but welcome. Thank you for joining us. And for those of you who I haven't had the privilege to meet, uh, my name is Ben, and together with my amazing, incredible wife, did she just kill it on MC? We head up and we coordinate the connect groups here at Oasis uh, Church, and it's a, it's a great, great opportunity just to meet other people. And um, hey, quick plug, if you're not connected into a connect group, uh, come and speak to us. We'd love to get you connected, man. It really, really is a great place for discipleship. I truly believe, like, in the home, around food, has to be food. there has to be food, okay? Amen? Yeah, yeah, there has to be food. There is a great newness in life, and when you get to meet one another and do life with each other, discipleship happens. So I really want to encourage you, if you're not connected into a Connect group, um, come and speak to us or go see somebody at the Connect desk. We'd love to get you connected. And if you are wanting to run a Connect group, I speak that favor over your life right now. Come and speak to us. We would love to uh, help you along the way to, to just do that and facilitate that. So you can never have too many connect groups in the church. Amen? Amen. Well, it's a great privilege just to share on this topic. And uh, it's week two of uh, Faith and Money. And um, I was asking for some like, tips and advice from my beautiful wife. You know, okay, how should I you know, deliver this? What should I speak on? Her greatest advice that she said to me was, babe, just make sure you smile, yeah? <laughs> make sure you smile when you deliver it because, so if I have this cheesy smile while I'm talking, it's because of the great advice I got from my wife. She's like, sometimes you look too serious when you speak, so smile, <laughs> smile. <laughs> hey, it's been a minute since I've preached, so let's pray, hey? let's invite the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, just be with us right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill this place. I pray that your words will become my words, Lord God. I pray that you open up our ears, ready to receive and hear from you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And uh, yeah, God have your way this morning. Amen. Well, we're speaking on faith and money. And it's probably, you know, obvious, but I'm going to speak on Abraham this morning. Dubbed the father of faith. And uh, I want to just pick apart that story. I brought, we probably all know that, or most of us would know that, or we've heard it before. So, but I pray that something new will be revealed this morning as I share. Because this story, you could do a whole year sermon series just on Abraham and his family, his legacy, and what God, and anyway, we could go on and on and on. But I'll give you a bit of context. I'm talking about Abraham. He's about 75 years old when God gives his first covenant with them. 75 years old. Anybody in that age bracket, put your hand no, you don't have to. <laughs> 75 years old, and he gets the calling. God calls him out. He says, get your family. Go to a place that I'll tell you. And so he heads out. He says, you know, God says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Okay, I'm going to increase you. And those who bless you, I'll bless them. Those who curse you, I got your back. I'll look after you. Okay, I'm going to curse them too. He says, God says to Abraham, the whole earth will be blessed through your generations. Wow. 
Imagine getting that calling on your life. Abraham's like, yeah, cool. So, all right, let's go. Let's head out. They go, and he's like, got this promise. He's holding this promise, and 10 years go by. Nothing's happened. Like, Sarah is his wife, is barren, no kids. Okay, just the two of them chilling. No kids. 10 years go by. He's like, doesn't look like it's happening. Like, I don't know. I got this promise from God 10 years ago. Still nothing. I'm still fatherless. And so God has to remind him again. He takes him outside. He says, Abraham, come with me. Come for a walk. Come outside. Look up at these stars. And I have this beautiful picture of money and faith, of stars. It's a bit pixelated, but he takes them outside. He says, hey, look up. See that? Now start to count. Can you count all the stars up there? He's like, not a chance. Well, that's exactly the number of your descendants. So numerous, you won't be able to count them. I've got you. Okay, this is going to happen because I've promised that. He's like, oh, really? Okay, thank you, God. He gets a name change then. Okay, he goes from Abram to Abraham, father of many nations. Even the wife gets a name change from Sarai to Sarah. And God promises that she's going to be blessed as well. And then the story goes on. They take things into their own hand. They have, a, they have an Ishmael. You know, he sleeps with his uh, servant. Sarah's like, oh, it's not happening. I'm barren. Why don't you just go sleep with my servant and then have a child with her? He's like, I mean, if you need me to, okay. I'm going to be a good, obedient husband. <laughs> he does that, takes into their hand. They have an Ishmael. Ishmael is born. God says, no, that is not the promised son that I was talking about, okay? He's like, ugh, okay, messed up there. Finally, everyone say finally. finally. After 25 long years, Isaac is born. 25 long years, Isaac is born. Our boy Abraham, he's 100 at this point. Sarah is now in her 90s. And at that young age, they have an Isaac, and Isaac is born. I want to pick it up from here in chapter 22. And it reads this. After these things, God tested Abraham. After these things, okay, as if it wasn't enough. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, okay, your only son. Weird, because he had Ishmael as well. But he says, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, you stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, and both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, uh, Father, um, you know, 
we have the fire here, we have the wood, and you've got the knife over there. Okay, but where's the lamb? God, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, I love this, Abraham said, God will provide for himself. In the original, it says, God will see, or God will see to it. God will see to it, is what Abraham said to his son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, to, in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham! Everyone say, Abraham! Abraham. Whoa, 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 Abraham, stop. Here I am. He said, here I am. I love that Abraham's good at saying, here I am. He's just like, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Everyone say, thank God. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or the Lord will see to it. As it is said to this day, on that mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And we're going to look a little bit later how significant the name of that place actually is. See, I love what Pastor Ewan shared last week. And when he said that, you know, God is going to meet you at your level of faith. God is going to meet you at your level of faith. Just imagine what is possible when you lift up your level. And you're at that sort of level of faith where you're just like, God, what do you want? What? Okay. Okay. So this amazing title that I came up with after, you know, seeking the Lord and praying, and, you know, he spoke to me and he said, it's time to level up. It's time to level up, church. You might think that it's tomorrow or I'll do that next year, I'll do that next month, but he said right now it's time to level up. Well, he was saying, like, it's scary to say that, okay, because what if he asked me to do something crazy like that? But church, it is time to level up. It is time right now because God is moving. God is moving not just in Oasis but across the churches in this nation. And he wants to use you, but he will meet you at your level of faith. It is time to level up. Right now it's time to level up. And so I want to encourage you. Today. I've only got two points for this sermon, but I hope these two points are going to encourage us on how to level up. How do we get a faith like Abraham, where we're just like, God, yeah, yeah, you want me? You want me to do what? Okay, okay, let's go, let's go. I mean, I guarantee you, it says that he woke up early in the morning, but I guarantee you he didn't get one minute of sleep that night. It wasn't just like Abraham was like, ha, ah, cool, God's going to do this thing, okay? have a peaceful, sleepful night, and just go and do it. 
he would have been pressing in. He would have been, he would have been on the, I don't know, nervous and scared and all that sort of stuff, all in his emotions. But beyond that, he still did. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to a point of that sort of level? I like to call it the, uh, the MC Hammer level. <laughs> Can't touch this. <laughs> yeah? The MC Hammer level of faith. There's two points, okay? I want to talk about the kind of the nature of what Abraham's faith actually looked like. First point is that Abraham's faith was actually based on evidence. His faith was based on evidence. In chapter 22, we're actually reading kind of the pinnacle of his life. And he's already been through so much. I mean, God, for decades, was training and working with Abraham to bring him to this point, to this level. Abraham had evidence from his life to get him to the point where he could trust God. I mean, we know of at least 12. There's 12 in there where it talks about some of the tests that God uh, took Abraham through. We look at a few for time's sake, but in Genesis 12... We see the first calling, and God makes that covenant with them. He says, Abraham, grab your wife, get up, leave your family, leave your land, and let's go. We're going to leave Ur, and we're going to go to a place. I'll tell you where later, okay? So he didn't give them the actual destination. He just said, we'll, we'll go. Just go, and I'll, I'll give you the place on the way. So Abraham already knew that he could trust his future with God. I mean, God did it the same in chapter 22 when he says, hey, get your son. Okay, we're going to offer him. Go to the area of Moriah, to a place that I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we get there, okay? Abraham, it wasn't the first time that he's heard that. So he already had that evidence that, you know, I've done it before. God has been with me through it. So there was actual evidence that Abraham could trust him with that. In Genesis 13... God directed a peaceful separation from Lot. Okay, and if you read it in chapter 13, it really seems like Abraham got the short end of the stick. It was kind of unfair what God kind of directed out. But you know what this taught Abraham? That he could trust his own interest even when it, to God, even when it seems like he's getting an unfair settlement. He's like, oh, okay, doesn't seem right, but God, you're going to provide still. I know. Okay, I know you got me. So he went through that season as well. So that taught him that he had a great invested interest in Isaac, but he knew he could trust that interest with God. In Genesis 15, God promises that he would have a son. This taught Abraham to consciously reaffirm his trust in God's promise. He had to consciously, he had to actually just, I can't see it, it's not happening right now around me, but I believe it. I have to remind myself that those promises are still true, that God is still going to come through. And yet he failed, he took things into his own hand and he had Ishmael and Oh, I just want to speak to that just a little bit. Because that's a sermon in itself. But some of us, 
Some of you here today or online, you might have an Ishmael in your life. But you've taken things, or God's got a promise over your hand, and you've taken it into your own hands, and you've ended up with an Ishmael. And you think, ah, oh, well, I blew it. It's over. It's done now. It's not going to happen. No, not true. God is still going to see that promise come through. God is going to even use that Ishmael in your life for the good. I mean, if you read, like, God blesses Ishmael as well. Okay? And he is blessed, and his descendants increase as well. But God can use our mistakes and turn it for the good. So it's not over. Church, it's not over. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over. Turn to your other neighbor so you don't leave them out, okay? <laughs> Tell them as well. It's not over. Genesis 17. Oh, this one's, this was a hard one, okay? Abraham circumcises every male in his family. <laughs> You sure, God? You want to make sure you're hearing from God before you go and do that, eh? <laughs> this lesson taught Abraham to simply obey, even when it doesn't make sense. I'm glad it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but he obeys anyway. Love that. Okay, but he was already tested in that area, and he had to step into that before he could grow into that. And then Genesis 22, we see the pinnacle. Where God asked him to give his son over back as a burnt offering. If you look at it, it could be very disturbing, this story. But yeah, really in the light of things, it is an incredible picture of God's grace and mercy. This lesson taught Abraham to trust the person who gives the promise more than the promise. Abraham was at this point where he could have that much trust and faith in the person who gave him the promise over that promise. Powerful, powerful thing. Since we're talking about faith and money, I want to give you two stories from my life about how God has come through financially for myself. 2008, just a minute ago, I think I was 23 back then. Uh, 2008, I left my place of employment, gave up a year. I was, um, had a great job. I was working scaffolding back then, up in the mines. Um, yeah, actually enjoying it. No, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I don't want to lie to you. But it, it paid really well. And I was doing that for a while anyway. And um, I remember, it was actually Johnny the first time, challenged me, he said, hey, I think you should go to Bible college. Well, what's Bible college? You go and study the Bible, like, in school? No, thanks. <laughs> but he, he wouldn't relent. Like, I was serving under his leadership in the youth ministry way back when. And, um, yeah, he's like, you should go to Bible college. You go to Bible college. Like, that would be really cool. I'm like, yeah, 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 nah. <laughs> Probably, like, three, four years. 2008, I remember being over, over uh, Queensland. We were over at a Youth Alive conference. Uh, where we all got together over there. I was like, yeah, holiday? Yeah, let's go. That'd be cool. But God met me there, and he really spoke to me. One of the sessions, and um, he told me it was time, time to leave my place of employment and give up a year to go to Bible college. I was like, God, are you sure like right now? Because I had just purchased a brand new 
V-E-S-S. <laughs> the Gen 3, 5.7 liter. Oh, man, it had 270 kilowatts at the wheel. It had that awesome paint job where if you look at it at a different angle, it would like be a different color. I was like, yeah, pimping my right. I was like, God, not now. Because I just got this on finance, okay? How am I going to pay this off? I'm going to have to sell it, but I did it anyway. I was like, oh, can't ignore the calling of God. And so I took a year off. And I, because I can't study and work, okay? I'm just not built like that. I need to be fully immersed. I need the time because I procrastinate a lot. So I'm like, oh, I need to give up work. I just, um, yeah, have a year off, okay? And I'll just study. I haven't been to school for a long time. So yeah, let's do this. My amazing parents put me up for free. So that helped a lot. And I just saw on another level, God's provision through my life. In that year of being obedient and faithful and just stepping out into the unknown. Man, my studies, I'm not even that smart, but I was getting HDs on my assignments. I'm like, <laughs> even my, my teacher was like, you sure you writing these yourself? I'm like, but yeah, yeah, I'm surprising myself. I learned so much in that year. Just one year, I learned like how to read the Old Testament, how to read the New Testament. I was like, whoa, this is actual books. This is, man, this is so cool. Oh, yeah, they have, like, genreism. Man, the Bible is, seriously, the Bible is amazing. That's the only word I can use to describe it because it all fails anyway to describe it. And God provided. I remember going to church some Sundays and there'll be, like, an envelope in the, in the offering with my name on it. I'm like, whoa, what's this? Open it up. There'll be, like, a thousand bucks in cash. I'm like, who gave this? And they're like, we don't know, just in the offering. And... <laughs> This is bad. This is, but I used to go to church expecting that. Where's the envelope? <laughs> is there another envelope for, with my name on it? <laughs> but God provided for me financially through that whole year. I mean, I got to keep my VESS as well. So I know. I was like, I don't know. I looked like, anyway, the richest guy at Bible college because we're all poor students. But God provided for me. I got to keep it. I got blessed. Man, I was paying for each like, unit that I was signed up to, paying with cash. So I left Bible college debt-free. I didn't have a student loan at all. Debt-free. And, you know, that one year turned into two years because I'm like, nah, this is so good. I'm just learning so much. I want to keep on going, do my diploma. And then midway through the second year of doing it, I get this job offer. Okay, and I worked in with, like, I could, maybe I could study online. No, I still can't study and work, but I was getting to that point of desperation. I need to work, okay? Stop being lazy, Ben. Get out there. Got an amazing job offer at the youth center in Coburn, which I am still at today. I'm still at today. And God, that, that's another story for another day. God blessed me with that. It was totally God who opened up the doors. Just quick, but they thought I had my cert for in youth, ministry, uh, in youth work, but it was actually my cert for in youth ministry. They gave me the job, and then they realized, wait, that's not the qualification. <laughs> I'm kind of messed up there, but hey, you're already employed. You've been doing the job for three months now, so you passed your probation. We can't fire you. So you know what? <laughs> We're going to pay for you to go get your, your, your qualifications. Oh, yeah. yeah, how good is God? They paid for me to get my qualifications, and because I've been doing the job in youth ministry and stuff, a lot of it was RPL. So it took me one hour 
one hour to get my cert for in youth work. I don't know if I should be saying this online, but <laughs> I'm a great youth worker. You can trust me. God provided. Second story, just quickly, is 2014. And I proposed to my amazing wife. Get down at, uh, if you want to hear the story. Yeah. Nah, you don't. Okay. I proposed to her. No, it was a great story. It's, so I had a... <laughs> I'll do it quick. I like set up this whole day. I'd organized like my cousin, she's a masseuse, so she set up a room and she was going to give her like a nice massage and just relax her. We went shopping the week before, so we could pick out, I said, babe, pick out like a nice dress, pretty dress, and I'll get it for you and all of that. Why are you doing that? Anyway, did that. But my, um, my sister kind of, she, she set up the room and the house pretty much, and there was um, another friend, she's a hairdresser. She did up her hair, and so she felt all pretty and that makeup. Everything organized this whole pamper day for her through my cousins because I wasn't rich then. So I was just like, cousins, can you help me out? Um, and they did. Limo picks her up, brings her to where I am over at Port Coogee. And uh, I had to set up like an aisle and she gets dropped off, jumps out of the limo. There I am in like a kind of tuxedo thing. She walks down this aisle that I prepared and my sister's there. I got her friend who's a photographer as well just to capture the whole thing. I got no photos for you, sorry. <laughs> and then she comes out down there oh, looking stunning, and then I get down on my knee, and then that's it, really, because she bowled me over. And she, I didn't even get to say anything, but she bowled me over, and she's like, yeah, it didn't talk good. And then we went out for dinner, and. Yeah, we're married, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Where am I going? Oh, yeah, provision. So we've got to plan the wedding, right? So. We're always encouraged by our pastors to have a short engagement. So we're like, yeah, we should keep that. That's wise wisdom. So January, we're planning our wedding. We're like, yeah, let's set a date. November, November this year. Okay, so we got like, what, 11 months? Okay, and we start going through the list, and, blah, 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 and then we're kind of like working it out. It's going to be like a $20,000 wedding. And we're like, oh, yeah, God will provide it. He'll do it, Okay. We start thinking about, you know, how can we get this money to pay off this and that and that and that. We're like, oh, Asher's got like a well-off, like a, a relative who's really well-off. He's, um, yeah, he's got a bit of dollars. We're like, oh, maybe, you know, he'll just write us a check. He's done it before and you're like, you're like the favorite. So, <laughs> surely, we're like, God, yes. You know, I pray you just put a prayer on his heart and that he would just write this. Right amount of figures. If it's a blank check, oh, we'll take that too, God. It's so good. When we're praying and we're trying to, you know, pray for provision into the marriage, into the wedding, um, I get a phone call. Literally that same night, I get a phone call. It's a friend from our, our church, and he's like, hey, Ben, um, I've got this job offer for you. I'm like, I'm, I'm already working full time. It's all good. No, no, I got, I, uh, it's after hours. You can work in around it. I know you're planning for this wedding, so I just thought I'll offer it to you first. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that'll be, that'll be very helpful. So we get this job offer, and I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah, we'll do it. I'm talking to Ashley. Oh, can she help me as well? Oh, yeah, 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 we can do it together. I was like, cool. Wait, wait, what's the job? He's like, oh, it's just a cleaning job. I was like, oh, yeah, cleaning, we can do that. Yeah, cleaning's cool. Wait, wait, what are we cleaning? Um, you're going to clean the toilets. 
Toilets, okay, yeah, I'm not very good at that, but any, yeah, okay, I've already said yes to the job, let's do it. Oh, what toilets are we doing? All the public toilets in Coburn. Okay, I've got the contract for it, yeah. Yeah, all the public toilets in Coburn, yes. Oh, and the beaches as well, so you go along the beaches, do all the public toilets there as well. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. I mean, a check would have been better, but thank you, God. The provision didn't look exactly how I wanted it to look, but it provided nonetheless. We had our dream wedding. We paid in cash again. We went to Hawaii again, thanks to my amazing parents who shouted that. And we were debt-free after the wedding of our dream. How do I know I can trust God with my finances when we're asked to do a miracle offering again that's coming up? And we're like, okay. But I already know I can trust Him with my finances. And that's actually the best place I should be investing in because <laughs> it always comes back in return. Always comes back in return. Our faith is not just a leap into the dark. It's not just a... Have you ever heard like someone say to you, I, mean, I wish I had your level of faith, but I just overthink things. You might think that's a compliment, but that's actually an insult because when we step out in faith, it is well thought out. We are well thinking about why we're stepping out. Why we can take that leap is because, well, I know that you're going to be there. You've been there before in the past and you're not going to let me down now. Okay, I can trust you with my finances because you have in the past been there for me and you will continue to be there. But not just, it doesn't just apply with your finances. Every single area of your life, you can trust them with. Because of the evidence already in your life. I encourage you, church, think about what has God already provided in your life? Where has God already been there for you in your life? It's those reasons why we can trust Him. It's those reasons why we can level up. We can level up. Now is the time because God is going to do something. It's not just a cliche pastor thing to say, but God is actually going to do something, church. He is, with or without you, He will do it. With or without you. And just as I invite the team to come up, our final, my final point. The second nature of Abraham's faith is that Abraham's faith was also based on his relationship with God. His faith was based on his relationship with God. I remember taking Isla to all her injections. I was like, yeah, first kid. I want to be there every single one. And um, took her to those injections and then had to you know, take her into the the room and the nurse comes out and um, like Isla is blessed because she's indigenous both in New Zealand and in Australia but because of that blessing she gets an extra shot so it was like three needles each time and so I would hold her on my lap and then I have to like grab her and like hold her, her elbow into me just so I can present her arm to the nurse and like she's looking at me and I'm like hey it's gonna be all good Baba. And then this nurse, this stranger, comes along with this big needle and just like jabs her. She looks at me, looks at her, and then she just starts crying. 
each time she'll start crying. And I'm like, oh, babe, it's all right, it's all right, come on. Look at the butterflies. And I try to distract her. But it's funny that it could be seen that, like, my dad let me get hurt just then. My dad just let me get hurt. So, nah, go away. Why are you letting me get hurt like that? Why are you letting the stranger inflict pain on me? But instead, she grabs me and she hugs me. And she's like crying on my shoulder. And she feels reassured. She feels safe. Why? Because of that relationship that I have with her. You see, a psychopath and a doctor can both inflict pain with a knife. But one is designed to help you. One is there to fix you. Abraham saw his relationship with God more as the doctor. I love that scripture in Matthew 18. It says, We must become like childs, like children, to enter the kingdom of heaven. We must become like children. Not gullible. He's referring to that relationship unwavering relationship that knows that my dad is going to help me. My dad is there for me. Childlike faith, as you might have heard it, is a faith that is based more on relationship than understanding. It's a faith where trust triumphs fear. My daughter, I know, when we go to the playground, I get her up on like a high. I love getting her to jump into my arms. She'll be like, oh, no. And she'll like, walk away. And I'm like, come, Baba, come on, you can do it, you can do it. So there's still fear within her. But to, at a certain point, she'll still be like, ah, and then she'll jump into my arms. And I'll always be there to catch her. Childlike faith is that. Being on the edge of fear, being on the edge that will hold you back, but jumping anyway. If you want to level up your faith, how's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? If you need more convincing, I'll take you through this one final illustration. Check this out. This is so cool. Okay. Take you back to Abraham on Mount Moriah with his son. And he's about to sacrifice his son, follow through. God says, no, stop. Stop, stop, stop. I got you. Okay, it's testing you. I know there's a ram over there. Fast forward, say a thousand years, in that same place, that same area, Jerusalem will be built. When God said, Abraham, go to that area, to a place that I will show you, he was intentional. He knew exactly where he was going to take him. Because that same place where he made that altar, he was about to give Isaac, is the place where Jerusalem was built. It's the same place where Solomon would build a temple. And many will come and sacrifice a burnt offering. That same place. That's powerful. But fast forward another thousand years. Fast forward another thousand years. Oh, didn't want to get emotional. 
good time for water. Fast forward, another. Oh. She was like that too. Like, You're going to cry. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're yeah, big softy. <laughs> Same place where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. Jesus went on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He knew he didn't really want Isaac. He didn't want a human sacrifice at all. That would be so disturbing. No. God was showing all of us today, this morning, that he is the sacrificial lamb. No matter what he asks you to do, you cannot outgive him. You cannot outgive God. Whatever he asks you over here, he will be faithful to fulfill whenever. He will. Whatever that looks like, that's up to Him. We don't need to actually see the outcome. We just need to obey. We just need to obey. God is the faithful one. We just obey. We just obey. So powerful. When that revelation came, And that we had a son, Isaac, who didn't know what was going on. Dad, where's the lamb? Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He was the son who knew what was going on. But even though he knew, he still went. And he fulfilled it on the cross for you, for me, for everyone out there, for you online, for every single person. He did that.